you know, we address what happened. We, we, you know, and we don't hide from anything. We're going to talk about why, why that was the other night, and and there was really wasn't any definitive answer. Other than we just didn't have it. We were just 16 games in, and we were just flat off. And uh, so it's good. They recognize that, and we 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 push reset and. Now let's let's go figure out how to do it again. And, and in this league, you can't dwell on one, or it becomes two. And uh, I thought we responded in a really positive way. That is Brad Underwood after last night's eighty-eight to seventy-three win for the Illini against the Michigan Wolverines, continuing his dominance wow. over Michigan and Juwan Howard. Hey, what's up? Happy Friday! It is the drive. With Tay and Piper, Derek Piper, Lante, Kyle Tosk. I don't know if Illini fans enjoy anything more <laughs> than beating Michigan, and Brad Underwood has served them up a full plate <laughs> of W's over the years against Juwan Howard and company. Last night, an impressive second half in particular for the Illini. Outscored Michigan 51-37 to after halftime. A bunch of guys in double figures. Coleman Hawkins was tremendous. A lot to wow. break down, a lot to talk about. How did another one feel, though, in terms of Illinois bringing home a win against those Wolverines? You know, it's funny. It still d- doesn't make up for 1989. But, I imagine it doesn't. Yeah. But it, uh, it certainly, the seven in a row is just something that you're just like, okay, I feel like now we're just being like an, a, a parent that is way too rough with your kids. Right, like you're just you need to be you need to relax a little bit and let the kids have a little fun. But Michigan has zero fun, and they were that was the first thing they said. I know you were able to watch it, Pipe, since you weren't in Ann Arbor, but that was the first thing highlighted. You know, is Jawan Howard has never beaten one team, and that's the University of Illinois. And certainly, Michigan played well in the first half. They countered Illinois' strike in the second, but then the Illini went on a run that would have put away any team in in the country and looked incredible doing it. You mentioned it. Coleman Hawkins was just absolutely dynamic in that game. And what I love about him before we really break him down is that, you know, I mentioned like a parent to a kid. He is, he's a kid. He plays with so much fun and Sure, there's some trash talking in there. Let's be honest, right? There's a lot of that, yeah. And, and he's, as, he's as good at it as anyone probably in the Big Ten. But there's also just a lot of smiles from Coleman Hawkins. He's got the braces on. I mean, you, you, just, like you look at him and you, you just see your eighth, eighth grade son scoring a bucket in you know eighth grade basketball for his second bucket of the year. And he's smiling down the court. And I, that's what I love about Coleman. He's, he's infectious. He brings a spirit to this team. I know he's someone that obviously Illini fans have had their issues with, but again, I'll say it over and over. I'll trump I'll, I'll beat that card till he's gone. Coleman is a loyal kid and this year is showing I, he showed it last year too, but this year for sure he's showing his worth and with what he was able to do yesterday in that game was just dynamic. It was fun and I'm so happy for him. And, and I loved his quote after. We may hear it probably a little bit later about how, you know, it's, they've taken their time with him. They've developed him. And, and you don't see that. You do see it. Don't get me wrong. That happens a lot. But we hardly ever point that out. And, you know, he said, my dad is a basketball coach. He understands that my time will come. And so for Illinois to just kind of slowly work Coleman from a freshman all the way to now he is an integral part, if not the key part of this team, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was rewarding, and I had a lot of fun watching him have fun. Heck of a bounce back after his game against Maryland. You needed it. And just during this stretch without Terrence Shannon Jr., to have him step up and look like a A-level player, a guy that who is truly and can be one of the best players in the Big Ten. And yeah. last night, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 6 steals, 4 <laughs> assists. That's that line. And a block. And don't a forget, block. Don't forget, don't forget the, block. the block. I can't. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I can't imagine Illinois have had a, have has had another one like that. Yeah. With with that 20 points, 10 rebounds, 6 steals. I mean that to to match that I'm not sure anybody has an Illini uniform and I I would be hard pressed to find one in recent memory in the Big 10 at all. So uh for him, yeah, I mean he plays with a lot of emotion. He does. He is I've said it many times here recently in particular. He's an instigator. <laughs> and I think when you you have that on your side, you love it when you're winning, when yeah. you're winning and you got a guy that 
is willing to talk some trash and and be brash about it and confident and have a swagger. Like I, I think Brad's all for that as, as long as some of the emotional part doesn't bleed into your production, make you distracted when things aren't going well. Then you're going to compound mistakes. He didn't have a turnover last night. It's unreal. So he's really cut down on some of those those plays that undermine all that he does well. And so I, I get that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about some. Some people have been rubbed the wrong way by Coleman at times with some of the mistakes he's made sure. or some of the complaining he does or whatnot, and I, I get it. I, yep. I, I think that even uh, the the coaching staff would probably agree, and Coleman would probably even admit to it at times. He he lets it fly off the handle one one too many times, but here recently he's been fantastic. Uh, he's a guy that deserves to be talked about again in those NBA draft conversations. And I'll admit, I, I said back in November, like, can we stop with – the NBA stuff with Coleman because we, we go just in, in the sense of, all right, if he plays like this, he's a a high second round or, you know, he does this, he's a first round draft pick. But usually that was on a one game sample size. Mm-hmm. Like he'd step up and hit four threes in a game. Like, all right, this version of Coleman Hawkins is a first round pick. And like, can we stop until he puts a, a body of work together where it's consistent? And until then, let's – Let's frame the conversation as a guy who's inconsistent offensively. Yes, very good defensively, but he's actually done it now. He's scored in double figures in seven of the last eight games. That's something that he never even came close to at any other point in his career. So I love love that he has that leadership quality. Uh, I like that he went to bat for the culture, for the the coaching staff, for the guys that weren't part of some of the nonsense that went on last year. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in the offseason. Now this year he's... He's very much part of what's right with this team, and there's a lot that's right with Illinois right now. He's efficient offensively. And when you watch enough basketball, you just just cruise around the box scores of the Big Ten. You'll see guys 5 for 14, 6 for 18, guys getting double figures, but they're shooting the ball numerous times to get that. Coleman Hawkins is very efficient, probably still to the point to a man, if you ask Brad Underwood, he would tell you he wish he wish he would shoot more often still. There was one time last night he came down and kind of took an ill-advised shot from the top of the key on a little bit of a transition. And I thought to myself, last year, two years ago, Coleman would have been pulled from that game. There's no way he's coming out of that game, not only because of what everything else he does, but I think Brad encourages that. And certainly he was able to get things going last night, and obviously his Illinois teammates were doing a great job. Marcus seems to be going through a little bit of a – I don't even know if it's on Marcus. I think it's teams. Michigan was obviously – ready for the booty ball stuff and they were they were watching that and I thought in the first half Illinois got a little stagnant with that but certainly in the second half that's not the case this team cuts to the basket as well as I've seen in a long time Mm. and I it had me thinking last night pipes after like Gary a cut for a dunk he may have been the next guy to cut as well and I sat there thinking to myself that seems like such an easy thing to do to cut to the basket but you don't see it that often and maybe I'm wrong. Now I watch a lot of I watch you didn't all see of, it at all last year. Well, you didn't see it at all last year. And of course, I watch all Illinois and I watch a ton of Big Ten. Now maybe the SEC, maybe the Big Twelve, maybe the Pac Twelve, maybe these other teams, maybe they cut nonstop, and it's just something that I don't see on an everyday basis. But Illinois makes it look so easy with the mask. Let's say back and down, and then Gary A cuts, boom. And I know Coleman's hit. A couple where a guy is cut and Coleman's found him for the bucket. It just seems like an easy play to do. It's hey, balls offside. I'm or you know balls on the strong side. I'm on the weak side. I'm going to cut to the middle and cut to the basket. It seems like an easy way to get a basket. And and that's the thing that they make it look so easy. And and you sit there and think, why doesn't every team do that nonstop? Now defense can play a big part of that, right? Like Illinois when they play defense. They've got right in your grill, and they're not necessarily backing off another player, so it makes it harder for somebody to cut and be open, whereas teams are kind of trying to play that booty ball with the mask and try to cheat down, and then, boom, a cut happens and he's wide open. But I just I think it's neat. It's a great play, right? It's efficient as hell. So I, I just enjoy that no team has figured out what Illinois has done so far. Yeah, and that's <laughs> something that 
against Maryland, it, it really didn't. Now, they they missed layups. They missed threes as well. But it felt like it was really stagnant offensively for a lot of possessions. And, and last night, there was some of that too. But I do give to Mask, even though his his stat lines haven't been the most pretty of late, right. like 5 for 14 last night, missed all four of his threes, three assists, uh, four turnovers. But I, I think his sense of what is happening on the floor in terms of when he's getting doubled, when he's not, when he has an advantage – uh, when he needs to back it out it is really mature and yep. those the timing up it's obviously a two man play of the Great cut point. the cut has to come obviously but also the passer has to hit him at the right time otherwise the defense can recover otherwise it, it just gets all clunky so i give quincy a lot of credit cuz I, I feel like he just he finds a way like you said Big the time. knack of the timing right place right time down the lane but then to Damascus, who will hit him, or Ty Rogers, who's hit him as well on yep. those. Uh, those are, are great two-man plays, good chemistry, obviously repping that in practice. Harmon's been a guy that cuts as well. Uh, so Coleman was begging for those guys last year. With the ball in his hands and uh, not a lot of off-ball movement at all and just waiting, like, trying to have some have some feel, have some off-script. Okay, it's, it's maybe not even within the design of a play, but to know that, all right, there's an open lane and – my guy's got the ball, and he's kind of made his move, and, and now he maybe is looking to see what he can do next. Let me go to the basket and give him an option. Right. That's obviously something that Quincy has thrived with. I mentioned Justin's done it as well. And this is a, a highly efficient offense here still over the sample size of Terrence being out. Uh, I know that Bart Torvik says it's the third-best offense during that stretch from the moment that Terrence got suspended – Till now, adjusted adjusted offensive efficiency number three in the country. I was going to tell you that today. I know you would. Yeah. Uh, defense is still something of late that they've had some lapses. Yeah, first I half agree. in particular of, of last night. Uh, too much that was easy in, in the paint for Michigan and uh, some offensive rebounds that have still come too easily. But Illinois really buckled down in the second half defensively, turned defense into offense, and I love seeing a stat line. I know you do as well. Five guys in double figures. You yes. throw our guy Luke Goody in there as well with eight. That's six guys, mm. at least eight-plus points. So the balance is really, really nice as far as that goes. On a side note, talked to Tar- Torvik for about 45 minutes this morning, figuring that stuff out. <laughs> that was a fun visit. Um, you know, you mentioned it too, and I think it's perfect, the passing. Like, I used to love watching Larry Bird pass the ball. Mm. I, I loved watching Larry with everything. And, you know, there's plenty of guys in the NBA and the college basketball that have been great passers. I've always enjoyed that. I thought Jeremy Richmond, bingo card name, was one of the best passers I've ever seen. And, unfortunately, we only saw a year of it. But you're right. The, the, the way that you put a touch on the pass – the where you put it to where you're leading the guy to the rim, that is so important, and I think Damask and this Illinois team does that well. Can I bring up one rare thing that occurred last night that I am very appreciative of Big Ten officials, of this thing? All right, I'm not saying I'm appreciative of Big Ten uh, officials, although I think they do fine. I know there's games where it happens and, and you don't like what's happening, and, it's, and I'm not even talking about the technical. I don't even want to get into that. It's kind of like the Maryland game. I've, I've already forgotten the Sincere Harris tr- uh, technical. But when, they, when that third foul was called on Gary A and Quincy asked, who's the tall dude, Karstison? He asked him and just basically said, I didn't touch him. That wasn't my foul. And that would have been the third foul on Gary A and still a game that was still undecided. I think that would have been a big play to put Gary A on the bench with three. And I give the officials credit for going over and checking and understanding that foul was on Ty Rogers. I think it was Ty. Now, I'll say this. Gary A was the reason there was a foul. He pushed Ty into Williams, but it was still kind of funny that Gary A's like, I didn't touch him, and he hadn't. He didn't touch him. I just think that was a, a big moment in that game that maybe we forgot about because Illinois went on such a run, but Gary A was so good in that mm, game last yeah. night, getting monster rebounds, getting a bucket when you needed it, uh, playing some good defense on the other, on the other end in, in Kamwa. And it's just one of those situations where it was like, if they would have called that third foul with, I think it was like 14, 15 minutes left, and I could be totally wrong on that. I should have gone back to look. I, I give the officials credit for double-checking that and making sure the call was on the right person. I didn't know they could do that. And I could understand, like, if you're Michigan, why, like, whoa, 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 why are you able to check this? You made the call. You obviously saw Gary A. foul him. 
and get his butt to the bench with three and let us try to do some damage against this Illinois defense without him. But I thought that was huge. I wanted to point that out today because I thought it was a big play in that game. 16 points, 14 rebounds for Quincy Garrier, a guy that was also held in single digits against Maryland, and he's right along with Hawkins. He's in that same realm of both guys, that post-Tennessee game. I think both starting post-FAU into Tennessee, Tennessee and on, seven of eight games since then, I believe they've been in double figures, both of them. So uh, him to get back on the right track, his just athleticism and physicality on the glass to rebound that like that. Oh. And I thought you know, it was a really good game for Michigan's front court, what Terrace Reed and Olivier Conwell were able to do. I mean, they, they produced 36 points combined with nine boards, but Hawkins and Gary A were just that much better. They had 37 points and 24 rebounds oh, combined. And obviously we know that Coleman with those steals and blocks to, to boot as well. So uh, it was a really nice bounce back. Those guys hitting a, a handful of threes between them, uh, especially there in the first half, was was big as well. So that's been huge. Quincy's been one heck of an ad. I think we talk a lot about how Damask is performing relative to expectations going into the year. Quincy's been definitely better than I would have expected. I, I thought I knew that he was a good player. Like mm-hmm. has played a lot of high major basketball, Syracuse, then Oregon. But he. He wasn't – while he was an all-ACC player as a sophomore, he wasn't at that level when he went to Oregon. His rebounding numbers weren't as good. He was playing more of a, a wing spot and, and struggled defensively against some of the, the quicker guys on the perimeter. Now he's back in a, a more natural spot as a four. His rebounding motor is, has ticked up. And while he struggled with the three ball early with the wrist, yes. since then – I know it's still, you know, he's one for four last night, and going into the game, he was two for his last 11. So the, the numbers aren't super pretty, but for the most part, he's been a pretty serviceable to good three-point shooter on the season. So for him to, to have this type of year so far has been has been huge, uh, and it feels like he is, along with Damask, outperforming what we would have expected going in. You know how big it is to me. Jawan Howard now 0 for 7, an Illinois guy, Crazy. Shunned Illinois. I mean, come on. He went to the Fab Five. It's hard to so, hard to argue that. And then Namari Burnett, a yeah. guy that shunned oh, you. Okay, there you go. And uh, you held him to four. Did I, I saw something that he and Coleman were teammates. Yes. And Namari was like the five-star guy, and Coleman yeah. was kind of unranked. And then look what's happened. I, it's How did we get Coleman Hawkins from, from Sacramento, California, or whatever? He wasn't very highly rated. He was a three-star um, Rutgers was really his the big competition for Illinois. He took a official visit to Rutgers earlier before coming and checking out Champaign. Illinois was tracking a couple of, of bigs. Zed Key was one of them, mm, a teammate right. of Andre Curbelo in high school. <laughs> oh, and so they right. were looking at Zed. They were looking at Coleman. They were looking at uh, another guy from Canada, of course. Well, uh, you know, they go. never uh, until Gary A. I was going to say Canadian, probably Gary A. <laughs> uh, but it was. Uh, like Keon Ambrose Hilton, I think, is – I forget where he ended up. Uh, it's been a handful of years now. But uh, Coleman presenting a little bit of a different skill set, a guy no that was able to play in the perimeter, and they saw him as a stretch floor. Now it's been really good that he's transitioned to the five. But he played on that prolific prep team, which was one of the more higher-profile high schools in the, in the country. And uh, I think that's where that background has really helped Coleman to where he's – He's been about winning. He hasn't been all about, I'm the star player. I need the shots. It's about That's me. That's a great point. He's a, he played with Namari, who was a McDonald's All-American. He played with Jalen Green, Green, who's in right, the yeah. NBA right wow. now with the Rockets and was a lottery pick. So he was fine with being a complimentary piece on a team that won a lot of games, and that's helped him, I think, frame his mind the right way and that he was willing to do that. You know, his dad's talked about in the past, I could have pulled him out, put him on a high school team where he'd get 25 shots a night, and he could have been the, the star player wherever he was. That's just not how we approached it. So, Who was uh, key on that recruitment? Chin Coleman was the lead Chin, recruiter okay, for okay. Illinois in that one. Yep. Good call. I knew, you would, I knew you would remember that. 
Well, maybe because his dad, his dad's from Chicago, so that. Oh, helps. okay. I okay. should have mentioned that on the forefront. His his dad's from Chicago, so there was a there was a connection there okay. back to the area. He's got some some aunts and uncles up in that area, and that's why Coleman's a big Bears fan like me. Who's oh, is who's, he really? Who suffers in that regard? Oh, maybe that maybe he didn't want you to publicly say that. No, he's on Twitter about <laughs> it. He's uh, he, he he like me are uh, pushing for Justin Fields, so we can bond over that. Okay, that's that's yeah. You guys, well, you guys will need to in your corner. Um, maybe <laughs> Illinois is doing another thing with a three-star out on the West Coast right now, bringing in that guard. Jace Butler? If they could get that kind of production from mm. him in his four years if he stays and plays all of them here at Illinois, that would be something that would be pretty cool. I, You know me in the two-minute video. <laughs> I mean, this is how I – Have you seen his two-minute video? I have. What do you think? I like his strength. Yep. I like his strength. I think he's the kind of kid at 6'3", 6'4", that can come in, maybe not right away, but I think when he is ready to go for Illinois, I think he can play in a rugged Big Ten. I think he can be a big body guard. He's got a pretty jump shot. It feels like he sets teammates up quite a bit. It seems like he's almost similar to Coleman a little bit until this year has been on teams where maybe there was another kid that was a little bit spotlighted higher. Now I feel like Jace is the guy. And, and when he goes to these showcases, the stuff I've read with you guys is that he's really doing his thing. So, I don't know. I just I, I thought of that comp with uh, obviously not the same position, not the same height, nothing about him really, um, but a three-star out of the West Coast that maybe you can help develop and yeah. get some use out of, and I feel like Jace Butler might be that kid. Yeah, that's a great point, and he might pair pretty well with a guy named Jeremiah Fierce. Ooh, he's hello. going to be announcing on Monday. He did not go to Michigan. Michigan. He canceled his scheduled visit, which was going to be early February to Who Michigan. Who else did that for Illinois? Not Shannon. Am I, am I wrong in this? Was there somebody else that canceled a visit to, to Michigan and ended up coming to Illinois in the last five years? Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking there, Terrence There probably Shannon. was. I'm probably thinking Shannon. When, when he was at Texas Tech and Michigan thought they had him. Yeah. It was funny. You mentioned the Canadian. My whole life, I've wanted a Canadian. I've wanted an Indiana guy, and I love lefties. That's right. And if when Terrence Shannon was still on this team, and if somehow, by miracle, they could get him back, I feel like that trifecta means a national title. You got, you got your all-American lefty. Mm-hmm. You got your good old Indiana guy and Luke Goody. <laughs> and then you got Gary A. from Canada. It's just, it would just it would just be too good to be true. That would be the first national title for Illinois, and then I would retire the next day. <laughs> well, no, I'd work the next day because that'd be fun to talk about. And go. then the day after that, I would retire and say, "Hey, I did my part. Took yeah. me took me fourteen years, but I did my part to get this basketball program where it needed to be." No doubt. <laughs> yeah, and as <laughs> as far as the uh, to tie it back to what you said about Namari. One for five, four points last night. He struggled. and uh, He hasn't been that good this year when I've watched him. He has not. Nope. And Doug McDaniel has not been as good as he was last night for a lot of this Big Ten season. Yeah. I know early on he had like nine and nine. Yeah, going early in the game last Woo. night. He is quick. Yep. I know Bardo said Especially he might be Especially when the Nico Moretti's guarding him. Yeah. It was cool to see Nico. It was good to see Nico. It was cool um, to see him, but you could tell right away gee, that's not a that. good matchup. <laughs> um, l- listen, Doug would do that to a lot of guards. I'm yeah, not, I'm not sure. ripping Nico here. He might be here. the quickest guard in the Big Ten. Oh. Yeah, Nico, you talk about a freshman being thrown to the Wolves, and all of a sudden he's like, you mean you want me to go in against the quickest guard in the Big Ten and try to get the ball? <laughs> try to work offense? Wow. Well, I gave him credit, though. He kept He battled. He battled for his yeah. three or four or five minutes, whatever he played. So he did. It was good to see him. Good to see that he's healthy. No doubt. We got a lot of different angles to hit on last night's game. Plenty to talk about. Uh, still want to hit on a little bit more on Ty Rogers, who had a productive yes. game, and uh, some different things to hit on. I know on the text line as well, continue to weigh in, uh, as a lot of you have already, 217-359-2255 on the U of I Atlanta Link text line. The scales tilted last night. I got to mention that. So, Juwan Howard, I, I've looked this up before, and I wrote about it today. I just posted right before the, the radio show a column about Brad's dominance over Juwan. But he was 6-0 and as a player against the Illini, Ooh, was Juwan Howard. I didn't know that. Uh, but now, 
It was six to six, six wins as a player, six <laughs> losses as a coach. Last night, it tilted to now, if you include both, he's under 500. But obviously, uh, what Atlanta fans want to bring up is just 0 and 7. That's fine. Uh, too. As far as that goes. So, um, <laughs> Atlanta fans basking in that one. And it. and it still even has the dominance over Michigan, still has Hunter Dickinson speechless, uh, which is hard to do. Was that today that he joined Goodman? It was uh, yesterday. Okay. Trevor uh, hinted at it that they were going to have Hunter on. and Who was the third guy? I think it was Armando Baycott for North Carolina. Oh, okay. Okay. And apparently, he even knows about the Illinois fan base. If you watch the clip, <laughs> he's like, yeah, Illinois fan base is pretty annoying, <laughs> but also very strong. Yeah, he did say that. Baycott gave us a nice little... Hunter still won't even let himself get to saying anything no. concrete about Illinois anymore. Because he even stops himself. He's like, ah, I'm 0-5. So... I think he's finally learned his lesson. I think you, Illinois and the fan base broke probably the most outspoken player in college basketball in recent memory. So congratulations. That That is a lot to uh, to do. So anyways. That's awesome. Kyle, you weren't uh, in the Orange Crush crowd last night? Did you know no. about that? You did. I, I did, yeah. He lied to me. Oh, did you ask he him? He lied to me on air, yeah. I looked him in the eyes and I said, Kyle, did, did you know about this? And he said, no, I had no idea. So you knew before the game? Well, someone texted in oh. that the crush was going to be there. Okay. And I said that. And Kyle acted surprised and then said, good on Kyle. He's I'm, coy, I'm man. I'm giving him a little bit of a hard time. But I, I got the sense at he, the very end of it that he's he, a soldier. That he was, uh, yeah, that he was just, you know, putting on for the, putting on a front for his, for his team. That was perfect. But, uh, I am also a little hurt that he didn't tell me the truth. Yeah, or go. Could you not have gone? Well, I mean, it's I could have. But I don't want to hear about it. Oh, Kyle, that was a perfect opportunity to say, yeah, but Lon was gone from the radio yesterday, oh, so I had to be here. Oh, you could have done that. <laughs> I, would have, I would have worked yesterday if I'd have known you were doing that. Come on. Hey, I got the glasses on. Thanks, Diane Ducey, for this. Hey, Busey drives generosity. It's a monthly campaign encouraging associates and customers alike to give generously, benefiting their neighbors and communities through donation drives and charitable initiatives. In support of poverty awareness, Busey's inviting associates and customers generously give during the month of January with the donation of new socks. You don't have to be an associate or a customer to give. Warm, dry socks are essential to anyone without a home. If you want to pick up some new socks, take it to one of the Busey locations. They will gladly thank you and accept those. And why are socks so important? Well, you know, from the cold. It takes 30 minutes to get frostbite and sub-zero temps, and we know what is happening this year. Also, from infection and disease, wet socks breed bacteria. That causes infection. Many folks walk several miles a day to access food, water, shelters, and essentials Accessing help to easier is easier when feet are healthy and free of blisters. New socks, they can be dropped off until January 31st at any Busey location, either in the donation box found in the lobby or through the drive-up line. 100% of the, of the socks donated will go to local homeless shelters. Busey drives generosity as part of the Busey promise to act locally, strengthening communities where you live and work. Here's how great our listeners are. Somebody out there right now is driving around, maybe leaving work, they're on their way home, or they're out running errands. I want to hear that one of our listeners went to somewhere and purchased some socks and dropped them off at Busey. And if you do that, we will definitely give you a shout-out today if you text us at 359-2255 on the U of I Line and Lake text line. This is how great our listeners are. I know somebody out there is on their way to the store or they're on their way to pick up something, pick up some socks, take them to Abusey, text us, and we're going to give you all the kudos in the world to whoever does it because I think it's a wonderful thing. We don't realize how fortunate we are to have heat, to have shelter, to have food, to have warmth. And for you to be able to just even spend 8 to $12 on socks and make somebody's day and make their feet warm and make their life better, I think that's a wonderful thing. So please do that and donate at any Busey location today.
More. Illini fans taste what's special about Jets Pizza by ordering any of their specialty pizzas for $5 off. That's right, $5 off on all specialty pizzas like the barbecue chicken pizza, chicken grilled to perfection, premium mozzarella, bacon, red onion, and barbecue sauce all piled onto Jets' amazing crust made from dough they make fresh every day. There's also their super special all meaty chicken bacon ranch and more, all $5 off. Make your day special and order a Jets specialty pizza for $5 off. I-L-L-I-N-I. Cheer on the Illini and Pia's. The pregame fun starts at Pia's Sports Bar and Grill. Pia's serves up its famous 10-ounce Slugger Burger along with great wings and so much more. Enjoy 350 22-ounce light and course light drafts. Every home and away Illini game. Watch the game at Pia's or ride the free shuttle to all home games. You'll find it all at Pia's with live video gaming, sports, food, drinks, and fun. See you at Pia's, West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. Have you ever wondered why you pay your bank to have a checking account with them? We do too. At Fisher National Bank, we offer free checking accounts that reward you to bank with us. Our rewards cashback checking offers 2.02% cash back on debit card purchases up to $500 monthly. No service fees or balance requirements needed to earn rewards. For a free checking account that pays you back, simply make 12 debit card purchases, receive electronic statements, and have one direct deposit within a monthly cycle. It's so simple. We bet you're doing most of these things already. With Rewards Cashback Checking, you have access to Reward Saver, which earns 4.07 annual percentage yield on balances up to $20,000. Reward yourself with free Rewards Cashback Checking and Reward Saver, a few of the many ways Fisher National Bank invests in our customers. See monthly requirements at any branch or fishernational.com. Fisher National Bank. Exceptional communities. Exceptional people. Member FDIC. Kelsey Furniture in downtown Tuscola sells Tempur-Pedic beds. What's it like? I'm going to tell you right now, TV, that that thing is the best thing I've ever slept on in my life. My wife and I both have said we've never had better night's sleep. And the people at Kelsey's were fantastic. Brian is the guy that helped us. You know, as much as I did my research, he had a world of knowledge about beds themselves. Oh, man, it's like sleeping on a cloud, man. Kelsey Furniture, downtown Tuscola. When it comes to finding a reliable vehicle, look no further than Sarah Champagne, your trusted automotive destination. They carry a lineup of top brands, including Honda, BMW, Subaru, GMC, and Buick. And they're not just about cars. They're about people. Their team is dedicated to providing you with trustworthy service and dependable vehicles that fit your lifestyle. Experience the difference at Sarah Champagne. Visit Sarah, S-E-R-R-A, Champagne.com. Into the new year, are you looking to have more fun with the family? On Friday, February 9th from 6 to 9 at the Refinery, the Champaign Park District has organized a Valentine's Ball with a DJ, a selfie station, caricature drawings, face paintings. It's all at the Refinery, 2302 West John Street in Champaign. You can sign up now before January 27th. Take the family to the Valentine's Ball, Friday, February 9th from 6 to 9 at the Refinery. For details, visit ChampaignParks.org. Hi, this is Chris Jackson with Kramer Siding and Window. And whatever your project, you can count on Kramer Siding to offer you the best products backed by the best warranties in the business and a lifetime of great customer service. And right now, you can save 10% on roofing, sunrooms, and decks, get 15% off gutter helmet, and you can save 25% on preservation siding, windows, and doors. So call today or visit us at kramersiding.com and let's get started on your project. Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Appreciate all of you that have weighed in on the U of I Atlanta League text line. Let's get to some of those now. Heath, appreciate the comedy. Really surprised that you guys are 30 minutes in and haven't mentioned the Cardinals' (laughs) big free agent signing today. He said with sarcasm, as he puts in quotes. I'm now ready to face Clayton Kershaw as many times as possible in 24 because we've got his kryptonite back. (laughs) 
Matt Carpenter has returned as a Cardinal. Yay. 740000 is what St. Louis will pay him. Atlanta paying him the rest of his $5 million or something. It was a two-year, $12 million deal that he signed with San Diego. They traded him to Atlanta to just dump salary, essentially. And then Atlanta immediately dumped Matt Carpenter, but they will assume paying the rest of the contract. So it is one of those where the Cardinals are only doing about 700000 and you guys are working behind the scenes here, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'm starting to get worried. So, uh, yeah, Matt Carpenter back in the fold. It's not going to cost the Cardinals anything. If he sucks the first month, then they just get rid of him, and that's what they do, and they move on. So it'll be interesting, interesting. I know there's some stuff coming in here, yeah, Kyle. We're working to confirm some breaking news okay, here. Okay, okay. Uh, Kyle? There has been a report. I'm trying to pull up. So, on the Terrence Shannon versus the Board of Trustees, there is a site that updates as far as the case uh, in the application for the TRO. I'm trying to get that to refresh. I I don't see it personally, but I will just say that uh, as we've referenced before, and I know that it's being tweet, it's been being texted in right now on the text line. uh, Mitch Gillifan, who has been reporting on this. Uh, as far as the case itself says, slam dunk news, the U.S. Central District Court of Illinois granted Terrence Shannon Jr.'s motion for temporary restraining order injunction relief. Today, the court held that the school did not provide TSJ the appropriate safeguards under Title IX and was not afforded due process. TSJ is allowed to hoop effective immediately. Of course, that would be subject to Illinois actually playing him, but We'll work to get this ourselves, but okay. I'm assuming that that is a valid report, and that would the TRR would grant him immunity from the if that's the right word from the suspension. Right. Uh, in the meantime, it's a temporary restraining order. Uh, it lasts, as far as I know, ten days. I think you get an extra ten days tacked on there. If uh, as far as a I don't know like what the way to, to put it is. Buffer or something? Yeah, uh, as they then move into a more of a permanent injunction decision, whether that's going to hold or not. But if true, obviously that's a bombshell uh, as far as news goes with the Illini and Terrence Shannon Jr. This is where it's really hard to be Derek Piper because you are a lead reporter. Uh, that's difficult, yeah. For a website, and I certainly want you to be able to do your job, and if you need to step away and do that, do that. And obviously we here at the radio station love having Derek Piper as our main co-host here and uh, the main guy on the drive with Tay and Piper being able to give us as much as he knows. But I also want to respect you to make sure that you're getting what you need to get done on the other side. Kyle and I can speculate a moment while Derek – does some work Kyle it's one of those where this could be interesting if if it's just that temporary 10-day thing and then maybe an extra so let's say you get 20 days with Terrence I'm not sure if that means what five games and then what right so that then it's almost like right it's almost like are you gonna tease me like by giving me him back and then all of a sudden, he can't play again, but uh, certainly you would appreciate it for Terrence, and that's who you've got to think about in this moment. And again, we're trying to make sure that this is correct. So we're hearing that Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, is, has received the TRO, which is the temporary restraining order, meaning that Illinois had suspended him from the team. Now a federal judge, is what we're hearing, has granted the temporary restraining order, meaning that he should be able to play again. Basically, the suspension is blocked legally. Got so. it. Got it. And, and, and interesting that, of course, as we had talked about early in this process, that if you're the University of Illinois, in terms of, of this kind of a, uh, a situation where you have an athlete that has been charged with rape, obviously, I think the, you, what you're going to do, because he was charged, and again, that's the big thing here, not like the Alabama player last year who was never actually charged with accessory, but Terrence Shannon was charged in a court of law with this, so the University of Illinois felt like they didn't have any choice but to suspend Terrence Shannon. They then had a three-member committee that ruled and upheld the suspension on Terrence Shannon, and that's where we've sat for quite a while 
Terrence and his attorneys then went to the courts to say, we want a temporary restraining order so that he can block, that we can block the suspension and he can get back on the court because he has not been proven guilty of anything. He's been charged. He hasn't been proven guilty of anything. So they are saying, we want him back on the court. And Kyle, I mean, if you look at it just from Terrence Shannon's spot, I've mentioned this a hundred times. This is his audition time. Mm-hmm. This is when he is auditioning for NBA teams. Sure, he wants to win for Illinois. He wants to win for the fans at Illinois, and he wants to win for his teammates, number one. But he's got a career, a possible future, and a really good one in the National Basketball Association. And if you're a first-round pick, you're making between 2 and $4 million, essentially, right in that range. So you can understand where if all of a sudden you say, well, we're going to take away your senior year and – and you may not even – I mean, this thing, this trial may not even be done by the NBA draft. That's the next hurdle for Terrence Shannon's crew if, indeed, this thing is true. Absolutely. I mean, his entire future is up in the air at this point in terms of him playing on the basketball court. And I think part of the university's counter argument against this temporary restraining order was that, well – playing basketball isn't necessarily a right that's protected and you're still a student at the university but at the same time playing basketball is his key to a future and a multi-million dollar check that could come his way in June and that he was well on pace to receive uh, by going in the first round that's where he was projected when the suspension happened so it it has such a great effect on his future that I think it's it's really important and you can see his side of it, absolutely, and, and why it would be important as uh, Pipes has now returned. He is returning. I want to say one thing before we get Derek on the horn to see if he has any official news. Scott asked, does Illinois have to play him? I would think Illinois would play him, and I think we said going into this, this would be more of a win-win for the University of Illinois in the sense, and, and I don't know if it's a win, but what I mean is Illinois, from a university standpoint, Phil – probably feels like they did the right thing by suspending him. And then now if a federal judge is going to block that, then at least the University of Illinois on their side of things would say, hey, we tried to do the right thing, and that was suspend him. We can't overdo what a federal judge is saying right now. So Derek Piper has rejoined the fray. What do we know? We know that it's official that he has been granted the TRO, uh, Line Enquirer, has been given that via his legal team. So that's been sent over. Jeremy Warner uh, is posting a story as we speak. So I I just talked to him. uh, And that Shannon's legal team voiced to Jeremy that they fully expect him now to be on a return to playing. Now, Illinois will have to comment on that. Uh, As of right now, we don't have a comment from the program or the university. Uh, We'll be working to get that as we speak. But uh, my understanding of it, and again, this – I think to, it's important to voice that it's kind of been more of a, an assumption or, or just kind of the, taking the temperature on it is that I don't think the athletic department would fight the fact of if he got the TROs and they were going to try to put another blockade in front of him to okay. get him to play. It It's just whether could the university then – do could they do anything as far as saying, all right, Brad, or all right, Josh, we can't. Let's not play him. I mm-hmm. I don't know that that's going to happen. So uh, I my expectation has been if he gets the TRO that he's going to play in the meantime. Of course, you still run the risk of if 20 days from now the mm-hmm. injunction isn't granted and then it goes back to then you pull him up. You, you're putting him in the lineup and you're pulling him out. Right. Of course, you'd probably deal with that because it's the first-team All-American guy. Yes, you would. And um, there's no doubt that just – the not, not only that, but you've got a veteran team. I yeah, think that's how yeah. you can deal with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, there's a lot of ways, and we'll have time to to break down all the the impact. Now, there is a game on Sunday, so integrating him. Uh, now, it's good that it's a Rutgers team that you're pulling away from the rack, and they're right there with Michigan as one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. So you should obviously beat them with him or without him. But I'm I'm kind of surprised, guys. I, admittedly, as I've said repeatedly, I'm not a legal expert. I'm not right. a guy that knows that you know how this is supposed to be handled. There's no precedent for you know a similar case as far as that goes. I just found it hard to believe 
that the judge would agree with it being a Title IX case, as mm-hmm. to say it was a university uh, t- involved event. Yeah. Like, I, I guess, now I don't know what her, if she released a full explanation of her ruling or, or it, where that's coming from. And now I'm not arguing against it necessarily. I'm just saying that it seemed like she'd have to agree with the idea that by the GA going with them, that, that it was then deemed as like a university a team event or a team activity, I should say, um, more accurately. I just didn't necessarily think that that was going to be something that would be agreed upon, especially based on included affidavits from Brad Underwood, or I'm sorry, from Josh Whitman, from Jeff Alexander, uh, diagramming not only their process, but the fact that, you know, this was Terrence's own decision to want to go to, to Lawrence. But obviously it's not our uh, deal to to make and, and the bottom line is i'm glad it, the ga went yeah right <laughs> and, it, and the bottom line for me and a lot of people like terrence says he's innocent uh that'll have to be proven in co- or i know that people will say well you're not gonna be proven innocent you're right, proven not right, guilty that's right. regardless if he is not guilty if he didn't do what he's accused of have done i'm happy for him i'm happy yeah. for his ability to return to the court um, it is going to be an awkward period of time where he'll still be charged with this mm-hmm. and be available to play. Like that's going to draw a lot of criticism, even with the TRO. Even though it's going to, Illinois can throw their hands up and say this was judge ordered. We're just following through our process. Our process originally said he's suspended until otherwise stated. The judge said that's not due process and that's not um, that's not just. That's not. A, uh, as it should as it should be so we're just following what we're told to do but even then like this will draw a lot of ire from i think national media i think from opposing fan bases and whatnot because you're you're playing a guy that's that's charged with rape so there's no doubt it's um, unprecedented I it mean, is especially it for is. here i mean this is not something that uh, i don't think an illinois athlete has ever really gone through or, nor has the university had to do this where they've had to play someone that is officially charged with a crime. And, and again, that's the big part of this. And um, also, I think another thing to note, sorry to talk. No, you're good. Um, if this is now being considered Title IX, that mm-hmm. will trigger its own review process. So now the university will go through, I'm imagining, based on the way it's been framed as far as it was – the, the quote saying that under Title IX, this was not a a this was not due process given to Terrence. Well, there's there's another pro- proceeding that the university will take now that it's under a Title IX to where there will be a review. There will be Terrence's testimony on what happened. There will be the ability to call witnesses. There will be a more in depth review as far as the university goes. But they could still come to the same conclusion that Terrence shouldn't be allowed to play. I, I know that I'll have to start studying some of the language on it because part of my understanding is that the the review would involve is Terrence a risk to people on campus based on him being involved in a a sexually related crime or alleged to be in, involved in a crime like that. So uh, if that's what they have to prove, maybe that's harder to get to, but that is worth considering too that getting the TRO for what was the conduct panel's process and decision doesn't mean that it wouldn't then trigger a Title IX process and decision that wouldn't lead them to also suspending him. I wonder if they can use that as a way of not playing him until that ruling is announced. That's what we don't know. And so if the university then would say, well, then we have to undergo this Title IX uh, situation and review. So until that is finished he cannot play I don't know I, I mean if he's able to play by the way between now and the 20 days February 19 although I don't know if that's exactly 20 days it looks to be like eight games he would be able at least to come back if he's getting the 10-day TRO and then there's that little buffer of 10 days in between it looks like he could play all the way up through February 17th against Maryland there would still then be six Big Ten games left and, of course, the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. His next court case is February 23rd. 23rd. Okay, yep. so this would essentially take him close to that if he's able to 
get the or he got the TRO. So if if the university or if he's able to play, then it appears that he could play almost all the way up until the next hearing, and then we never know what's going to happen at that hearing as well. So it's interesting. Again, unprecedented. I've never in my 14 years of doing this and my 30 years of doing media, I've never covered an athlete that was in this situation in terms of being charged with this serious of a crime. And then the idea now that he could be back playing while still being charged. That is uh, something that I've never dealt with or never uh, encountered in my years. So it's, it's all new. It's all new to me. We'll try to gather as much as we can on this as we go. Again, we're still waiting to hear what a comment would be from the university on this, what would be said by the athletic department as far as their next step. And if it will be just as simple as the TRO is granted, Terrence is now returning to practice this weekend and gearing up to play on Sunday against Rutgers. That is obviously uh, within the realm of possibility. So uh, big breaking news, Terrence Shannon getting the TRO in the case against the University of Illinois uh, trustees, board of trustees, I should say, and a week to the day of him having the hearing over there in Springfield last Friday, there's been a lot of just angst and wonder about when this would be ruled on and what it would, what way it would go. And the hearing in between. And the hearing in between for the criminal case. So, so there's been developments, obviously, on that, and seems like a Rather, in my opinion, and some may feel differently, uh, somewhat of a surprising decision, but uh, one that obviously is huge for the Illini, a team that's top 15 in the country, and with him on the floor can be top 10 and be a Final Four team. That's awesome. Well, listen, let's get a break so Derek can do some more work here and try to figure out some more information. And then when we come back next hour, we'll definitely have what we have new on the uh, the situation with Terrence Shannon. It has, been a, it has been official that he has been granted the temporary restraining order. So now the next step is, and that's kind of where we're at right now. So we're going to catch a break. We still have some Ty Rogers. We still have some Cole, Coleman Hawkins to play for next hour as well. We'll try to get you updated on, not updated on scores, but our thoughts on the NFL games this week. And it's going to be a fun weekend of NFL. Four solid games that we'll uh, talk about before we get out of here today. Until then, we're back. It is The Drive. Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs, and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. I'm Dr. Jaya Wadawan, and I'm a pediatrician with OSF Healthcare. RSV is respiratory syncytial virus, and it's very common in um, pediatric patients, especially in the age group of less than two years old. In RSV, some symptoms to watch for is um, fever, cough, wheezing, any difficulty breathing, decrease in appetite. So with COVID and RSV, it's difficult to differentiate the symptoms and the presentation of each. The best thing to do is go to your provider and get a swab for both COVID and RSV. Older people can get it. It presents more of an upper respiratory infection. However, in the pediatric population, it presents more in the lower respiratory tract, which causes more of severe symptoms. Treatment includes supportive care for fever. So that includes Motrin and Tylenol. And if they need further respiratory support, that would include some oxygen support and nebulization. Visit the website osfhealthcare.com Thank you for choosing two men in a truck. How may I help you? Hi, I have a strange question. What happens if it snows on moving day? I don't want my furniture to get wet and destroyed. Well, that's not strange at all. We have the same concerns for your furniture. With over 9 million moves completed, our team is experienced to handle any weather conditions. Because we pad and stretch wrap your furniture before we put it on the truck, we'll make sure your belongings are safe and dry no matter what the forecast says. Not sure how your move is going to work? Go to twomenandatruck.com for your free estimate.